Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. But then he goes on, he says, back here to the young men, he says in the last part of 13, and I'm just going to kind of take these together, and I'm going to read part of it, and then I'll read the rest of it. He says, I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. And then in the bottom end of verse 14, he says, I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Just as young children don't know much and make a lot of mistakes and, you know, think everything's going to be just go perfectly. But when life does, and a lot of times, you know, sometimes things get, get worse when you become a Christian. You know, in some ways, because you know what the devil does? He wants to make you regret being a Christian. He wants you to think it's not worth it to serve the Lord. Remember what happened to Job? Go read the book of Job. Man, you talk about going through some stuff. I mean, he lost his whole family. He lost all his livestock. He lost everything he had except for his wife. And boy, I bet he wanted to get rid of her, you know, because she just kept saying, curse God and die. And man, she was rough on him. He said, even though he slay me, yet I will still trust him and love him, right? And that's what he did. And so these young men, they, he says, you have overcome the wicked one. These people, these young men, and like I said, he's just using men terms for men and women, right? He's just talking about spiritual terms as in far as children, young men, and fathers. And so he talks about these young men and they're beginning to be understand teaching. Don't let that word doctrine scare you. Doctrine just means what do you believe about the Bible, right? What do you understand? What do you believe about the Bible? You know, the Bible tells us always be ready to give a reason for the hope that's in us. We ought to know what we believe and know why we believe it. See, the people that remain spiritual children... A lot of times these cults will come to the door and tell them some lie that Jesus ain't God. That's what's happened to some of these people here in, this, in the book of 1 John. And that's why John's trying to let these people know, spot these false teachers, spot these false prophets, and tell them to grow and, and become the people they're supposed to be. And if these are the, the things in their life, then they're truly Christians, right? And they can know that they have eternal life. Yes, they're going to have difficulty. Yes, they're going to have hard times. But they can overcome. And so these young men, they're beginning to win victories, right, over the satanic system. I don't know if you understand it, but we're in a spiritual battle, guys. Go read Ephesians 6. He says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And he says, stand strong and then stand therefore. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. You know, he keeps saying stand. And you know what he's saying? You stand strong in the power of the Lord. You don't have to go chase the devil down. He's going to come after you anyway. You just stand. Amen. You remember the old thing where you, you, know, you had the line and somebody tried to pull you over the line or whatever, you know? So we just stand our ground. Joshua 1, verse 9, he says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and be of good courage? Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We stand, and we stand there for we withstand, you know, when somebody comes out, it's like the football team, you know. You got the defense and the offense, right? And the defense, they're, 
You know, they're over there uh, trying to keep you from winning the battle, right? The devil's like the, like the defense. He's, he's like trying to keep us from doing the things we're supposed to do. And we're the offense. And we're supposed to score and do the things that God wants us to do. And that devil's over there, you know, pushing back, trying to stop us. And we got to withstand. And we got to stand. And it's having done all to stand. So we, we fight that battle. We win because Jesus is on our side when we trust him, right? But when we don't trust him, that's when we fail. That's when we fall. That's when we, you know, we give up. The old devil says, see, you done failed now. You done lied today. You did something wrong. You may as well just keep on doing it. And, and you know, then we go, oh, yeah, okay, well, you know. And then we just fall off the horse and we start wallowing in the sin, you know. But we don't have to do that. We can win the battles. And that's what he's talking about, these young men. He says, win the battles. They win some of them. The babies, they don't. They, can't, they ain't even in the war, right? They're not even in the war because they're little kids. They don't understand there's a battle. And that's why a lot of people don't even understand that we're in a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6 keeps talking about we fight not against flesh and blood, but against powers and rulers and spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. And then he says, therefore, put on the whole armor of God, right? And so that's what the whole deal is. And, and it comes right after Ephesians 5, which tells us how to live godly, right? How to live in relationship to your wife if you got one. How to live in relationship to God. How to live in relationship to your uh, children. And, and how to live in relationship to work. And then right after that, he says, man, when you, when you live that way, guess what? All of a sudden, the devil's going to come after. He's going to put a, a target on your back, right? Because you're trying to show the world that you're different. And we are if we're true Christians. Satan even disguises himself, it says in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 to 15, Satan even disguises himself as a minister of righteousness, as angels of light. So don't ever fail sometimes just look in the pulpit. That's where the devil's at. I mean, these people masquerading in the pulpit, and they say, oh, you know, you can be healthy, wealthy, and have everything you want, you know, and you have your best life now, and all these other things. Man, they just the devil in the pulpit. Because they ain't telling you you got to take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. They ain't telling you you got to give up and that you got to sacrifice. That it's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. And sometimes you're going to lose. But, but if you trust Christ, you're going to begin to win more battles than you lose. And that's what it's all about. And the devil, you know, that's his whole system, man. It's out there and it's built to discourage us. It's built to, to beat us. It's built to tempt us and the whole world system we'll talk about it next time don't do not love the world or the things of the world because all this in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but it's of the devil and the world is passing away in the lust thereof but whoever does the will of God remains forever right and that's what he's talking about there and that's where he's going next you know once you once you realize you need to, you're in the battle, you know, some people, like I said, they don't even know they're in the battle. They already beat. They done whooped, you know. And so the devil keeps trying to brainwash us. I mean, that's why there's so much junk on TV. That's why there's so much junk on the billboards. Everywhere you go, they bombard you with trash and junk and all this gender stuff and everything in the book. It's just crazy. Every day it just gets worse and worse and worse. And after a while, you just get insensitive to it. And that's what they're trying to do. 
is just keep framing at us. After a while, we just say, oh, it's all right. They can do whatever they want to do. They ain't bothering me. Yeah, they are. And if we don't do something, it's just getting worse and worse. He works in these false systems and 99% of Satan's activities in false religion. Why do you think there's so many false religions? I had a guy we used to go to church with, and he had a little book. It wasn't much bigger than this. It might have been a little bit taller, but it was about yay thick. And every page had a different religion on it. You know, you go over there in the third world countries, you go over there in some of them places like India, and some of them, they say, yeah, I'll trust Christ. I put him on the shelf with my other 2 million or however 200 million gods that I got. They believe in some 200 million or however many it is. I don't even know how you can come up with that many gods. But they say, yeah, I put Jesus up on the shelf with the rest of my gods. But they'll be glad to trust him. But they ain't really trusted him. Because they just put him on the shelf with Buddha and whoever all the rest of them things are. We've got to trust the Lord. We can't blame the devil for our sin. Oh, Flip Wilson back in the 70s, I guess he, he made that popular. The devil made me do it. You got the little thing with the devil sitting on one shoulder and the angel sitting on the other shoulder, you know. But you know what? Why we sin? Because we want to. That's why we sin. You know, because it feels good. But sin, yep, there is pleasure in sin, but be sure your sin will find you out. Sin is fun for a season, but then it catches up with you. And then when it catches up with you, it slaps you hard. It will knock you into Never Never Land. I got a little thing on my uh, computer that I put out there every once in a while. It says, you're free to choose to do whatever you want to do, but you're not free to choose the consequences. You understand that? You can do anything you want to, but once you've done it, guess what? You can't stop the consequences. There is no undo button. There is no delete button. There's no erase button. You can't get your eraser out and spiritual eraser and erase what you just did. Say, oops, I didn't mean to do that. Oh, yeah. I didn't either, but it's too late now. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5 says, Where whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. 1 John 5, 5 says, Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes Jesus is the Son of God. That's two good verses to memorize. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and verse 5. Who overcomes the world? The ones that are believers. And, and, and they do it through their faith, right? They keep trusting God no matter how bad it gets, no matter how ugly it gets, no matter how tough it gets. We keep on trusting Him. No guy, he's a pastor, he says, when I, tr when I try, I fail. He said, but when I trust, I succeed. So you got to trust him. Because on your own, on my own, we're always going to fail, right? So he says, I've written to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you. See, they, they develop some spiritual strength because they got the word of God in them, right? David said, how can a young man cleanse his way? He says, I word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's uh, Psalm 119 verse 9. That's the only way we can really do that. Job says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon a young woman to lust after. You read some of them verses, it talks about who has wounds, who has sorrows, who has all these bruises and things. It's the, the guy who went out and got drunk, you know, and 
And he said, oh, that I might wake up, that I might go have another drink. So don't look on the wine when it's red in the cup. Because at first it goes down smooth and then it bites like a snake, like an asp. He says they're strong. God is with us wherever we go, right? And he says, the word of God abides in you. So the secret of these young men, the young men, spiritual young men, is the knowledge of the word of God and their ability to apply do you know that's what the Bible says wisdom is? The ability to apply knowledge. The world will teach you what they want you to believe. And when you get through learning that, it's not going to get you anywhere. Because most of it, you couldn't beat your way out of a paper sack with a tank with it. But I tell you what, the Word of God, it will strengthen you and sustain you. It will teach you things. That's what that whole chapter, 1 Corinthians 2, Paul said, you know, I hadn't seen or ear heard or entered in things seen or entered in the heart of man the things God has prepared for. He's not just, he's not talking really about heaven. He's talking about wisdom and understanding and knowledge. They said that, the, that scientists climbed the hill of knowledge. They got to the top and the, and the theologians, the Bible teachers were there for thousands of years waiting on them. I mean, have you ever watched on TV and just watched the stupid decisions these people make? that are just totally opposite of anything that makes sense? Yeah. How do they do it? Because they got the world's wisdom. They don't have God's wisdom. We need to pray for them to have God's wisdom. I think God can give these people wisdom even though they're, they're not believers, I mean, but they're, he can give them wisdom. Yeah, it'd be cool to watch these people do stuff. They thought they were coming up with it and it was really good stuff and it was really great stuff because it really helps people instead of their usual stupid decisions and they think they're so smart and it was God gave it to them that'd be cool wouldn't it to have this wisdom that only God can give them you know they got this new virus coming now I don't know if y'all heard about it it's Omicron or something and the Chinese emperor said don't name it after me because if you do you're in trouble they were going to name it whatever his name is and the New York governor apparently is already declared a state of emergency even though they said that uh, it was milder than anything they've seen so far. But now they've declared that New York governors are going to declare a state emergency. Yeah, they can't go anywhere without their vaccination cards. Can't do anything in New York without a vaccination card. It's crazy what people do. 2 Timothy 4.17 says, But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. So these people, they have the word of God. Now Ephesians 6, 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the word of, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. See, when we fight battles, we fight with the word of God, guys. Because that's where our strength lies. Knowing what God says. Knowing who he is. Knowing what he's going to do. Knowing no matter what happens, even if we get killed or something bad happens and we leave here, we're heading to heaven. The worst they can do to us is send us to heaven. People look at it, they, they read it, and they don't understand it, and they don't apply it. Like I said, wisdom is the ability to apply the Word of God. I've told you all about the fella that I grew up with. That he had all, He's probably got several degrees, but his car catches on fire. I've told you all this story over and over again, but then he calls my dad and says, Mr. McKenzie, your, my car is on fire. What do I do? But this guy's got several degrees now, right? But he's about as smart as that brick on that wall over there, as far as common sense. Now, his brother got all the common sense, but he didn't have the book smart. Between the two of you put them together, you'd have had a slap genius. One of them had common sense, and the other didn't have any. And you know how that goes. 
So bottom line is, is until you can apply the word of God to your life, then you're in trouble. The only way we can understand and win the victory is through God's word, his wisdom, and his strength. That's it, guys. He says in Psalm chapter 1, verse 2, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Jeremiah 15, verse 16 says, Your words were found, and I ate them, and your word was to be the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Think about that. You know how you develop an appetite for the word? You begin to read it. I put something out yesterday or day four yesterday. I challenge you guys. I don't know how fast you read. If you read slow, take a chapter. Just take one chapter of the Bible. Read it a week in a row. Try 30 days. Try 90 days. If you read a little faster, try reading the book. Just take something like Ephesians or Philippians, four, five, six chapters. Not a whole lot. Take 1 John, five chapters. Read through it every day. Read it every day for the first week is kind of tough because you're just kind of reading it and you're not, it's just kind of, but once you get past about the first week, it begins to just like, and you begin to pick up things and see things you've never seen before. And man, I challenge you to try that. It will just blow your mind what is in there. Look for those repeated words, those things that are in that word of God. And then lastly, he talks about verse 14, the spiritual fathers. Didn't think I was ever going to get to those, did you? I've written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. That's what he said over there in the other section, right? Verse 13, because you've known him who is from the beginning. And so what he's talking about here is these fathers, these are the most mature Christians. They have a deep, intimate knowledge of God. When you know somebody and you live with them every day, you, you spend time when you get to know them, right? How do you get to know God? You spend time when he prayed. You stay. You read his word. You study his word. You understand who he is and, and what he wants you to do and how to behave and, and what pleases him, what displeases him. Like I said, he says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the true God in Jesus Christ who he sent, that they may know you. It's knowing who he is and knowing what he's about. That's why Philippians 4 says don't be anxious about anything. But, but it, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And the peace that passes all understand will guard your hearts and minds. And think on these things, whatever is pure and lovely and right and virtuous and a good report. Think on these things and the God of peace will be with you and near you. And he says the things you've heard and learned and seen in me. These do, and the God of peace will be with you. See, that word can stick in your mind. You just keep reading it. You keep studying it. And those things, you know, when the old devil comes knocking, you've got a verse, right? Be strong in the Lord, the power of his might. Be strong. Don't be dis- fear. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. Find you a verse. Don't look on the wine when it's red and cut. You know, the Bible talks about drugs in the Old Testament. It says don't be involved. It's sorcery. But that's the word for drugs. It's that word, right? 1 Corinthians 13, 11, you know, the love chapter. He says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I put a, became a man, I put away childish things. Isn't it about time some of us put some of those childish things away and move on? That's what Deuteronomy, I think it is, me Exodus. Israelites are in the wilderness and God said, isn't it about time you move on from here? And at time you move on from here and go do what you're supposed to be doing, 
Somebody once said, man up. Be the man we're supposed to be. A spiritual father is one who takes the maximum number of principles or learnings, teachings from the Word of God and applies them to his experience. That's a mature Christian. And many Christians refuse to grow up spiritually because they don't want to find the principles or they don't want to apply them. A lot of people don't grow because they just don't want to give up certain things. Don't want to quit doing certain things. They want to keep doing what they want to do, right? Jesus paid for our sins 2,000 years ago. And when you understand what the Psalms and the hymns and the whole Bible talks about how, you know, Paul, you know, he'll be writing this letter and in the midst of it, he just, bam, all of a sudden he goes off on this, you know, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory, and he just keeps on praising the Lord. He goes off in this tangent, just praising the Lord and thanking God for who he is and what he's done, right? And then he'll come back in a minute or two and get back on where he's supposed to be. But, you know, he just goes off and, it, you know, that's the kind of joy that comes from knowing the Lord. Amen. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We get caught up in all this craziness that's beating us down and we let these same thoughts, these same things every day beat us. You know, somebody said the problem with life is it's so daily. The same things happen every day. You know, you get up, you go to work, or whatever you do, you know, and you get up and do it again. And those things can beat you to death sometimes, but that's where the Lord, and starting your day out praying and reading the Word of God and, and getting right. I mean, if you're not a morning person and you don't like to read in the morning, go to bed at night, and before you go to bed, read that Word. Get it in your mind, go to bed at night. And read and pray. Wake up in the morning, and if you can, read a little bit more. You know, when you get excited about the Lord, you want to, Know those things. And then another characteristic of a spiritual father is they lead others to Christ. Have you ever led anybody to Christ? I'm telling you what, guys. The second best thing that ever happened to me, the first best thing that ever happened to me was getting saved and trusting Christ. The second most exciting thing is to see somebody else come to Christ. The third was marrying my wife. She comes in third place. And she would understand that. I know she would say the same thing. The bottom line is, guys, is that that's the most exciting thing you could ever do is trust Christ. And, and the second most, I mean, especially you see these little kids, you know, you see them get saved before they go through all the mess that I went through for a bunch of years before I trusted the Lord, you know, and did a lot of stupid stuff. I mean, that's what brings tears to my eyes when I see these young kids. Man. God characterizes mature believers as having the knowledge of the Word of God, wisdom, which is the ability to apply that, and God's the one that gives it to us, right? The faith to apply that truth to our experience. See, you know, just as I said, how do you grow your desire for the Word? You begin to read it, right? The more you read, the more you want, right? Well, same thing with faith. You trust God in something little, then the next time you see, you can trust Him with something a little bigger, a little bigger, a little bigger, and a little bigger. And He'll keep stretching your box, you know? Keep testing you. But you got to step out every time He tests you and just say, yes, Lord. This looks crazy to me. I don't understand it. I can't do it. And He says, that's right, you can't. But I can through you. We have to position our lives to the principle of the grace. In other words, we quit pondering the past. Quit thinking about the past. Stop d dwelling on our past failures and the things that didn't go right for us. And the things that were done to us. we got to quit doing that. Paul says, I forget those things which are behind. 
Philippians 3, 12 to 14, that same spot. He said, where he presses on, he hadn't arrived, hadn't made it. He said, but I forget those things that are behind. What does he forget? Everything that holds him back. All that junk that holds you back, guys. The past is the past is the past. You can't do nothing with it. Give it to God and let him handle it. And then once he handles it, you, 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 it's gone. And then if you take it back, you give it to him again, and you keep giving it to him till it's done. Because you can't handle it, and I can't handle it. But he can. And then we have the most discipline in our Christian experience. We apply discipline. That's why Christ said, take up your cross daily and follow me. He says in 2 Peter 3.18, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. So once we become a Christian, we become a target of the devil. And the devil, he, he uses, he'll use any method, guys. He don't care. He'll use anything. And he'll hit you. He plays dirty. He knows when you're tired. What is it? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Bitter, angry, mad, sad, glad. Whatever it is. He'll use anything. And he knows right when you and I are at our lowest. And you know what? That's just when he slaps. Because he knows, he's watching. Him and his little old minions, they're always watching. And they know when we're on our last leg and we're about ready to give up. And then he just says, just give him a little nudge. Boom. There he goes. He's gone. I got him again. See, that's when we got to trust in the Lord. When we get that close to falling and failing, we just got to say, oh God, I'm fixing to give up. I'm fixing to give in. Strengthen me. Help me. And so the new Christians are the most defenseless. And that's why we need to get into the Word of God quickly. First Peter 2.1, and I'll close with this. He says it's important. First Peter 2.1 says, Therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. If you've been saved... Desire the pure milk. Just as a baby wants nothing else but milk to feed them, we should develop that spiritual desire to want to feed on the Word of God. And if you've never trusted Christ, ask Him to forgive you tonight. Ask Him to save you if you believe that Jesus is God and He died on the cross for your sins and there's no other way to get to heaven. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets the Father but by me. Confess with your mouth and believe in here with everything you got. And ask him to forgive you and save you and change you. And he'll do it, guys. But you got to ask him. You got to believe him. You got to trust him. And when you do that, he will. But unless you ask him, unless you trust him, it'll never happen. But if you want that joy to Lord, if you want those victories, if you want to see heaven one day, you need to trust him. Because otherwise, you're headed to the wrong place, guys. Just as eternal life in heaven is forever, eternal life in hell is forever too. The worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. It's not going to be some big party with the devil as the chief partier, guys. That's just those joke things that they put into cartoons, and they're not really funny. But you grow up with all them things, and people think they're funny. But they're not funny, because hell's nothing to be laughing about, guys. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. We ask that you would just work mightily in our hearts here tonight. Give us a desire to the, for that pure milk of the word that we may grow thereby as babes. Lord, help us to be more like you. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you, 
Pray that they would trust you and, and ask you to forgive them and save them tonight. And Lord, we just ask that those that know you already here tonight, that you would just help them to trust, not try, but trust you no matter how difficult, no matter how hard it gets. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.